So this morning, we're going to jump back into our current series, our That's Not in the Bible series. I hope you've been enjoying that a little bit. We took a detour last week, appropriate for Veterans Day, and we looked at the armor of God. But this morning, we are going to be back in Matthew 7. We're going to be looking at phrases that we sometimes think are in the Bible, but, but actually are not. And so when, when I've been unpacking this and kind of talking about uh, where we're going with this, I want us to see the vibrancy, the importance of God's Word for our lives. I want us to look at, look at really what God's Word says and see how much of an impact that it can make on our lives. When I started thinking about God's Word, I, I started to think about uh, the rudder of a ship. I started to think, when I was thinking about God's truth, I started to think of a big ship and how a rudder helps steer a ship. Uh, if, have any of you guys ever spent much time on a boat? Uh, a boat is kind of this miraculous thing that can be controlled by the smallest movements. And so even a, a small rudder, that rudder below the ship that you don't even see, can guide the whole massive ship. The rudder is really what keeps the boat on track. And when we're looking at God's word, we don't have to shoot in the dark. We don't have to guess. We don't have to, to just take a stab at it and hope to understand. God tells us exactly what he wants us to hear in his word. We can know how to live our lives because God shows us. And so instead of kind of taking these phrases and, and in a way kind of taking a stab at it with some of them, we can actually look at God's word and see what he says. There's some truth in a lot of these statements. We can actually see where we get into God's word on some of these statements. So this morning we're going to continue to the next statement. And this one's a little bit different. Uh, what I've done so far is I've preached some that aren't in the Bible at all, but most people think are in the Bible. This morning we're going to look at one that's actually in Scripture but is misquoted or misused a lot. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus utters the statement, do not judge. Have you, heard that? Have you ever heard that statement? Have someone said that to you, or maybe you've used it yourself? Again, what's different about this statement is that it's actually in the Bible. But at the same time, this is probably one of the most misunderstood statements in all of Scripture, the most misused statements in all of Scripture. When I started thinking about this phrase and how some of these things are misused, I started thinking about um, signage. Sometimes you see a sign and it's a little bit confusing on uh, what the sign is actually saying. Like uh, one that's always a little bit funny to me um, is caution slow children. Like it's telling you to be slow, not that the children are slow. <laughs> If that makes sense, or I think we've got one that we can pull up. I found a, a funny sign uh, on the internet, and it'll show the age. This is one of those square pictures, so it's probably like 15 years old. But hunters, please use caution when hunting pedestrians using walk trails. So, you know, if it takes you a second, you kind of get what they're saying, but they're basically, they're trying to get the gist, watch out for pedestrians, or pedestrians, you know, use the walk trail. There probably could be a period somewhere in there. But when you first read that, it's saying, use caution when you're hunt hunting the people walking around here. I thought that was kind of funny and a little bit appropriate because it's still hunting season. But I think about, like, when we're talking about this, this uh, idea of do not judge, sometimes we see the warning or we see it and we kind of read it 
totally out of context or, or totally misconstrued for what we really wanted it or what God really wanted it to say to us. I think when we're looking at this statement, do not judge, there's multiple ways that it can be missed, misconstrued. Sometimes we hear it or we hear people say, don't judge me. So you, someone might just say, don't judge me. And they'll kind of say, well, that's in, that's in Scripture. But it's clear that Jesus isn't using it that way. Or often we hear, never judge anyone. Or with some type of connotation like that, never judge. Oh, you should never judge anyone or anything. Like it's used as a justification to accept anything or everything and everyone. However, in context and looking at the whole picture it gives us a much better idea of what Jesus was meaning when he says, do not judge. So let's read our passage this morning, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. We're going to be in Matthew 7, and we're going to read the first six verses. So hopefully you're there by now, but if you would, read with me this morning, and we'll start looking at what Jesus tells us. In verse 1, the, the infamous words, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you, you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not, throw your, uh, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So to kind of get to the background of this passage again, Matthew in this part of his book is once again at the Sermon on the Mount. On the Sermon on the Mount. So I've actually preached on this a couple times, but he's in kind of Jesus in his longest a sermon recorded in the Gospels. And so he's talking a lot about uh, real-life things that we all might encounter. The way that we can think about this Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is really preaching about the heart and where our hearts are uh, in, in some of the things that Scripture asks us to do. And he also talks about what, what the heart reveals. Our heart will really reveal our desires. He's also talking about that, 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 that his relationship would be an example that would change our hearts. So he's talking about following the law and all the things God tells us to do and how important our heart being in the right place is, is, is part of that. And then he's, he also is talking about how a relationship with him will change our heart so that we might live according to what he's preaching through this Sermon on the Mount. In a nutshell, the righteousness of Jesus in our lives should be evident in our relationships and in our choices. What he does in our hearts should be evident in the way that we interact with other people and the things that we do in life. And from the outset, when we're looking at this, do not judge. There is no doubt that Jesus gave this command. So that's how it's different. This, these are recorded, the words of Jesus saying, the first part of that, do not judge. In, right there in verse 1, he states those very words. However, there's, there's much more here. As I was looking at this idea of do not judge in the context and everything else, I started to think about an iceberg. 
Now, I've never seen an iceberg, or not a real one. I've seen ice like in the Missouri in the wintertime or something like that, but I've never seen a real iceberg. I don't know if you've seen a real iceberg, but I get the idea about a real iceberg, and I think the story of the Titanic really illustrates for us what an iceberg is like. But we all know that about maybe 10% of the ice actually sticks above the water, and that's like what you can see. So when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about this passage when we look at it and we take that do not judge part, we're looking at just a small fraction of the bigger iceberg that's underneath the water. I'm saying that to say there's a lot more here than just the phrase do not judge. And so like misconstruing that sign where when we look at only the, the surface level, the, the beginning part of that, we're missing the whole meat of what's there. We, get, we miss what Jesus really has for us in the rest of the passage. So we've got to look at the rest of this to have a better understanding of his point. To illuminate this idea of do not judge, we've got to look at the rest of this passage in context to get the idea. So let's push just a little further and let's read verses 1 and 2. Again, starting in, in verse 1 of 7, do not judge or you too will be judged. And then verse 2 is important to start getting where Jesus has taken us. For in the same way you judge others. You will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus starts to kind of expound on his point. When we pair this statement, do not judge, with verse 2, we start to see that Jesus is not actually making a blanket statement against judgment. So Jesus isn't saying, never judge. He's not saying, oh, you should never use good judgment. Even when it comes to helping others. He's not making a blanket statement against judgment. In fact, what he's doing is making a statement against judgment and discernment with the wrong motives. So he's preaching about our heart. So he's not saying never judge. He's saying don't judge unless your motives and your heart are where they need to be. That's what this whole Sermon on the Mount is about. That's a good example of, of where he's going, how he's getting after our hearts. He's talking about the condition of your heart informs how you do these things. He wanted, wanted us to think about the heart behind how we judge. He reveals this to us by basically saying, you will be measured by the same standard that you measure others. The same rule that you use on others will also be used on you. And so in this, I think there's one, our first point this morning, the, the first point that I want us to take away, and if you're following along in your program, there's blanks to fill in there, but our first point is, do not judge until you are ready to hold yourself to the same standard. Instead of telling other people, never judge or don't judge me, or however we want to sometimes mix that up, a better way to say it is do not judge until you're ready to hold yourself to the same standard. More to the point, Jesus is saying that we should not judge as if we have the authority of someone who is perfect. I really like how we can think about it that way. Don't judge someone as if you have the authority of somebody that is perfect. Don't act like you're perfect when you're trying to measure somebody up. I think another way to look at this, within our own selves, our own understandings, we do not hold the proper measuring stick to rightly judge others. Jesus is the only one, God is the only one that has that tape measure, that has that measuring stick. He's the only one that, that can really measure where people are at, where people's hearts are at. But I think thankfully for us, the picture we get is even though we don't hold that stick 
We can follow Christ and have that relationship, and he is the standard, not us. Even though we have a really hard time living up to the right standard, Jesus not only shows us the standard, Jesus did live perfect, not only shows us the standard, but he also empowers us to live following that standard as best we can. I love how Ephesians 3 puts it. Ephesians 3, 16 through 20 says, I pray that out of the riches of his glory, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love. So uh, in Ephesians, Paul is talking to a church that was struggling with getting along. They were probably judging each other a little bit and probably judging each other out of the wrong motive. So he's talking to a church that was struggling. So it was certainly people, real people, that were struggling with this very thing that we were, were talking about. They were judging people, trying to use the authority that they were perfect. In verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able... If you mark in your Bible or want to keep track of that, underline that word able. That's what we're thinking about. When we look at this and we're like, number one, I'm not perfect. Number two, I'll never be perfect. What, what Paul is saying here is when Christ dwells in us, when we allow him to work in our lives, that, that burden of, of that measuring stick isn't on us, but it enables us to live, number one, how we're supposed to live and then help others in a rightly directed way. Having our hearts in the right place. Now to him who is able to, to, to do infinitely more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So the point in this is, is, is we're never the measure that we can make judgment from. Christ is that measure. But he dwells in us when we follow him and we're made able to live rightly and then encourage others to also seek that out. But as we're looking at this, you may be still thinking that sounds kind of difficult. How can I judge to such a high standard? First of all, you might be thinking, how can I live to such a high standard? I know you're saying Christ dwells in me, but it, that's, man, that's difficult. Practically, how do we do that? That's such a, you know, Christ was perfect. I know I'll never be perfect. Even as a Christ follower, I screw up all the time. How in the world do we live to this standard? I think Jesus moves on to start showing us how we might do a little bit of what he's asking us to. At the same time, I love how Jesus, even in his preaching, uh, he wasn't just straightforward. He used hyperbole and he used illustrations. Man, if I could come up with some of the illustrations and lessons that Jesus used. But he moves on here to start painting how we might start looking like this and, and allowing him to dwell in us. In verse Three, he continues this part of his sermon. And he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and, I pay, no, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Anybody ever got sawdust or something in your eye? It's horrible. You have to, like, eye drops or something. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love how he kind of exaggerates this here. He's saying you're, this person you're trying to, to pass judgment on, they might have a little speck in their eye, and you're pointing at that when you've got this huge log sticking out of your eye. 
You got this, you got two by four sticking out. So Jesus, I think, had a little humor and a little bit of like, you know, exaggerated it here a little bit to get his point across. And it's a little bit stinging. It's kind of hard for us to read that. But I think he's telling us an important fact about discerning the right type of judgment. So he's not telling us, he's not abolishing judgment. He's not saying never judge, but he's saying you need to do it in the right way. He's saying you need to to, to use judgment. So in this is our second point, if you're following along, using judgment is different than being judgmental. Using judgment is different than being judgmental. So if we start to dissect this plank in the eye illustration, we can see how Jesus makes this point, how he is telling us that judgment is different than being judgmental. First, judgment is different because it has wisdom behind it. Judgment is different because it has wisdom behind it. In a sense, there's experience behind good judgment. There's experience. Uh, there's a lot of things I've done in my life or, or things I did when I was like 15 years old that I would not do anymore because I have better judgment now because of experience. Maybe I wrecked a car or uh, jumped off of something and got hurt or you know, got in a hurry and messed something up, but I've learned judgment. So there, behind judgment is wisdom. There's experience. At the same time, uh, judgment has good motives. The motives behind that judgment are good. Look at verse 5 once again with me. He says the hard words, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In a way, Jesus is saying you must work out your own struggle before you try to judge someone else. So you need to work out your, the, the things you're struggling with. You know, don't, don't try, to, try to help somebody else out before you've kind of started working on those things. And I think the key to this is that we need to allow Christ to work those things out. See, that's what he's saying. He's saying not by your own power, your own perfectness, or what you accomplish, but if you start allowing Christ to work in your life and to work on those areas of your life that are, that are tripping you up and, and that sin that creeps up, and you start allowing him to work on your heart, then you'll be in a better position to lovingly judge others. So we got to allow Christ to work in our hearts before we're ready. And once we understand that, that Christ is that measurement, that Christ is the one that we measure that to, that's when we're ready to start speaking into other people's life. But on the other hand, being judgmental, so, so on one hand we have judgment, good judgment, and on the other hand we have judgmental. I think the, the overwhelming thing we get from this is that being judgmental is blind. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? I was joking about it a minute ago, but, but if you've ever had a saw, sawdust or, or a speck of something in your eye, I mean, your eye starts watering up, and if it stays in there very long, like it might, might swell and, 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 and like it might even come, become closed and and it's nasty when you get something in your eye. You try like real quick, like that's the first, you know, you're going to start like all the crazy things you try to do to get that out of there. Well, Jesus is like taking that a step further and saying, saying, you're kind of talking about that guy's speck, but, but you got a whole plank in your eye. Man, you can't see when you got a speck of sawdust. I can't imagine if you had like a stick sticking out of your face. There's no way you could see. Absolutely not. 
And so when he's comparing judgment to being judgmental, there's a blindness there, an unwillingness to really see what's going on. At the same time, there's, there's that, that wisdom of having gone through Christ, working things out in your heart and helping you draw closer to him. And so when you're judgmental and you're only judgmental, there's no wisdom behind that. There's no experience. You can't see past the plank in your own eye. I think for us, like he's talking about here, that becomes the definition of hypocrisy. That when we can't, because of our blindness, really see what's going on, from a lack of, of experience and wisdom, we can't see beyond what, 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 what Christ is doing in our lives. That's when we become hypocritical. In a nutshell, I think what Jesus is saying through these three verses here is that, that once we have dealt with our own sins, we are then a position with the heart of Christ, not on our own, but with the heart of Christ to gently and lovingly confront someone in an effort to seek their restoration. That's different than being judgmental. Good judgment is when we have Christ dwelling in our hearts and we do things out of his motivation that he's working through our own sins that we can gently and lovingly help restore somebody back to where they need to be. When I started thinking about this, I kind of got a funny picture. Have you uh, ever gone like a day and maybe first thing in the morning you put on a shirt that has a stain on it? Or maybe you're drinking your coffee or eating breakfast and you drop something on your shirt, right? Or maybe you've just eaten a really good lunch, but a little bit of it sticks in your teeth still, right? You have no idea it's there. Like that's part of the reason you have a wife, I think. Like if, if my wife's not around, I, I leave stuff in my teeth all day and I have no idea. But if she's with me, she's like, you know, like, like helping me get it out, right? Well, this is kind of the same way with a, with a shirt, with a stain or something in your teeth. That's like, like if you went around pointing out everybody else's flaws or whatever, you know, maybe they had something in their teeth, but you've got this massive stain on your shirt and you're just walking around like it's not even an issue. That's what Jesus is kind of saying here. He's not saying that we shouldn't judge. He's just saying we need to realize where our own struggles are, the own things that, that, that Christ can work out in our lives. But it is helpful. How many of you love when somebody tells you, hey, hey, you got, there's something in your teeth. You, you really appreciate that. It's like, hey, thank you. It has to be the right person, right? But we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, have someone like, it's helpful. But at the same time, we need to realize that, that we ourselves might have that large stain on our shirts. So I think to apply this just a little bit, when we pass judgment on someone, we need to ask ourselves, why am I evaluating this situation or this person this way? Is it to make me look better? Like you could see somebody with a stain on their shirt and like laugh and point and like try to tear them down because they got a stain on their shirt. But who hasn't had a stain on their shirt before, right? Are you doing it to, to, to make yourself look better? Are you judging someone to help prop yourself up or to help you get further? Or are you doing it even just to hurt someone? Or are we judging the situation to help someone out? Are you doing it because you know that, that whatever they're going through might be a detriment to them? It might be something that's hindering them. And are you, are you uh, passing that judgment to, to maybe help them grow, to help them get further down the road, to, to help them notice an area in their life that might need help or change? I think there's no doubt that in this whole thing, the, the golden rule certainly applies. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
More importantly, I would push that a little bit, a little bit further. Love your neighbor as Christ would love them. And that's not, that's not getting rid of this judgment idea. It's helpful, uh, growing type judgment. I think the two keys, if, if you take any words that might help you as you're, as you're judging situations or, or friends, is first of all to have humility and saying, I don't have this figured out. It's having that humility or saying, you know what? I was once in your shoes and man, I had to, I had to have Christ work through that with me. So humility is huge. And saying I'm not any better with my struggles. And along with humility is constructiveness. To approach someone to help them grow, not, not to harm or tear down, but to encourage and to help their, ultimately to help their relationship with Christ and then to help their relationship with others. A little aside with this, I think the church is where this should be best exemplified. The church is where this should take place. Not a place of judgment. You don't walk through the door and, and have fingers pointed at you. But it's a group of people saying, you know what? We don't have this figured out. But we have Christ. And he's working in our lives. And he's working in us together. The church should be an example of that. Not a holier than now. Not a seemingly perfect, but helpful and humble and encouraging from here, Matthew takes a little bit of a turn. He kind of turns the corner a little bit, and, and we can look at verse 6. You might have read this before, and we're like a little bit like, what is going on here? So verse 6, he's, he's just talked about judging, and he's talking about this plank. He's used this illustration, and he says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. So first, Matthew kind of shows us the standard by which we should judge, and that's Christ and also how he's working in our lives. And he tells us that judgment is characterized by humility and correctiveness, constructiveness, I mean. And here he gives us the basis on how we might share truth. At first, it seems a little bit like, like cryptic, but, but, but as we start to get into it a little bit, we get what Jesus is saying first. The, the pearls represent truth. They represent the good things that we should understand, like God's word and, and the way that he's working in our lives and the way that we might speak truth to others. And the pigs or dogs are those who might be reluctant to accept that truth or encouragement or, or the words you might speak. In this, I think Jesus is making our third point this morning. The third point this morning, if you're taking notes, is that we need to take care when or how we share truth. You need to take care when or how you might share truth. I'm not saying brush truth under the table or, or act like it's not there or, or just skirt the truth, but we need to be wise about when and how we might share truth. We need to be careful about what we take with the pearls and we don't just throw it to an unaccepting obvious our audience. So we need to be careful when and how we share truth. Uh, my notes are sticky. So he's telling us that we need to be discerning about people's character. The trick to doing this is within relationships. So he's taking this idea of judging, and, and if we're thinking about judging, we need to realize that, that, that rightfully judging and not being judgmental takes place in the context of developed relationships. So the trick to doing what Jesus is telling us to do is you have to take the time 
to get to know someone. You have to be careful that you develop that relationship, that in a way we earn the right to share truth in their life. I don't know if you've ever tried to like give someone advice that you didn't even know or someone like just on the street. It's not, it's usually not received very well. I think that's even where some of the tension like in our politics these days, we don't take time to get to know one another and then try to share truth with people. We just throw it out on Facebook or into a tweet and it, and it, and it goes haywire immediately. We have to take the time to get to know someone and to lovingly provide truth. We have to earn that right. Trying to share truth or judgment too quickly or in the wrong context could hurt a relationship or could even tear down, tear you to pieces like he's talking here, talking about right here. I think to, to illustrate this a little bit, I thought about when I was growing up, my dad taught me a lot of lessons. There's a lot of things my dad taught me, and, and I'm glad for the things that he taught me, but in the context of a 17, 18-year-old kid, those lessons were not received very well. I think about like what he told me about saving money. It's like, Dad, this is stupid. I want to go buy what, you know, I want to go spend all my money right now. My dad was like, you know, he'd tell me those things, and it seemed just stupid, idiotic. Or I think about him waking me up on a Saturday morning to change the brakes in our, in our suburb. Man, I hated that. Like, Dad, I don't want to sleep in on a Saturday morning. Like, no, you come get up, help me do this. You need to learn how to do it. Or building a house. I spent a lot of hours helping my dad either remodel or work on a house. And at 17 or 18 years old, those things were like, I, they, they were useless to me. I could not see beyond like 19. And so they was like, I don't need to know these things. But time was a huge dimension of what he was teaching me. Time was a big part of the truth that he was trying to impart to me. Because it took me several years before I realized, like, man, he really has some wisdom there. Or he was really helpful. As I've gotten older and maybe closer to, like, his age, that he, when he was teaching me those things, I've realized that they were invaluable for my life. When it came to saving money, or now I can remodel my own house, or I can change my own brakes. And, and, and those days when he was kind of hard on me and I did not want his, his truth or his advice in those situations, now they're golden to me in time, those, those things had to, had to come at the right time for me to understand truly what he was saying. I think this fact is especially true when it comes to scripture or the gospel. See, our job isn't to ramrod the truth into somebody's life. It isn't our job to force that onto somebody's life. Our job is to develop that relationship and when the time is right, to share truth with somebody both with the gospel and just the truth of God. That we develop that over time and that, 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 that we have to be in the right context, in the right situation. Now, with some people, that might, it might be in an afternoon. You might, might get to know somebody and immediately might have some wisdom for them. But with other people, that might take years. It might take a long time, just like it did with, with some of those things my dad took me. It took a long time for, for his wisdom to really sink in. So our job isn't to just force that truth upon people, especially the truth of who Jesus is. We're not supposed to force that into people's lives. But our job is to focus on loving someone first, developing that relationship. And it, it doesn't matter. We're not judgmental about who we love. It might be someone off the street that just needs your encouragement and, 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 and your time to spend around them. 
And then when you have the opportunity and they've seen your life that, that you're real and you're struggling and they're a real person and they got real struggles too. And then it comes to the point where you can share the truth of who Christ is and the difference that he's making in your life. I think as we apply this last point, our encouragement is to learn when the right time is to share truth or even to judge someone's situation. What Jesus is telling us in this last verse, in verse 6, he's talking about these pigs and, and these dogs and throwing pearls to them, and it's like, what is he saying? He's saying we have to develop the, the ability to discern when the right time to share truth or to judge someone's situation. And at the same time, it's also important for us to learn how to deliver the truth we have to learn when to deliver the truth or, or how to deliver the truth or, or why we might deliver the truth. You know, I think about this. A lot of times uh, when you're a young learning pastor, you stick your foot in your mouth a lot. You say things, man, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe you've stuck your foot in your mouth. You've said something at the wrong time or, or, or this wrong situation. Like, you know, don't bring up a, 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 a sticky subject when you're out to lunch. Pick the right time and place to, to provide that truth to encourage somebody. You know, don't, don't pick Facebook to air somebody's dirty laundry. Maybe take them aside and, and sit down with them and, 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 and help them walk through that with the love of Christ. That's what Jesus is telling us here, to, to learn when to deliver truth, the when and where and how. And that comes from wisdom experience. Get to know someone before you offer the humble truth. So as I conclude this morning, as we're looking at this statement that, that, that Jesus makes and do not judge, he's not making a blanket statement against judgment. He's not saying never judge. He's saying we need to make judgments based on the heart of Christ. And that heart of Christ dwells in us. That heart of Christ is what enables us to make judgments in the right situation, in the right time and then to be careful with the truth to to be able to develop the way that we can develop or deliver the truth of God appropriately and in the right time so maybe you've heard the truth of the gospel before but but maybe you're here this morning and you're realizing this is the right time for me to be hearing the gospel maybe it's taken years like that advice from my dad Maybe you're realizing that, that, that something you heard a long time ago was about the truth of the gospel and how it impacts your life. And this morning you're like, you know what? That's finally sinking in. Or maybe you realize that, that, you're, that you struggle in your humility and that constructiveness when helping others. So as I conclude, I just ask that everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes. If everybody would just bow their heads and close their eyes.